Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. Um, yeah, hi everybody, and yeah, thank you for, for letting me come and talk to you uh, about performance management in uh, in local government and uh, kind of more generally using data to, to drive decisions. Um, we had, as, uh, as Catherine was saying, promised you kind of Beth Blower, who was going to come with. Uh, Kind of stories from America and some of the uh, kind of gritty Baltimore tales. And uh, I'm a I'm a guy who's been working in Shire counties in the UK, so I've got a slightly different perspective on, on local government. But I will try and share with you some of the some of the stories that, that Beth would have shared, um, as well as my own experience about how data has and perhaps hasn't been used uh, to to help guide decision making within within public services. Uh, so, very, very quick overview. Uh, so, this is who Socrata are. I'll let you kind of you know, read the slides for yourself. Uh, software as a service company uh, based, headquartered in Seattle. Uh, we have an office here in London where I work. Um, and the bits of what we do that I'm going to mostly talk about today is kind of down in that bullet point list around making data-driven decisions. Um, so, we do a lot of work in and around the open data space, but, but today that's kind of mostly where I'm, I'm going to focus. We'll, we'll touch on other bits and pieces, um, but that's just to just give you a sense of what I'm going to talk about. Um, can I just quickly ask, I don't know entirely who's in the room today, so do can you raise your hand if you have a really kind of good understanding of how local government works in the UK? <laughs> yeah, so we've got... <laughs> uh, so that's, yeah, that's, that's helpful. So the next couple of slides, I'm just going to very quickly kind of just level set and try my best. Um, and it's, it, it's not easy, and you'll see why, to explain broadly kind of how, how local government's set out and, and how that's relevant to, to some of the things I'm going to talk about. Um, so... This is a kind of picture within the UK, there or thereabouts. Um, so, yeah, over 400 local authorities. And they range in size from somewhere like Birmingham, which has a service budget of around three point something billion pounds a year, down to West Somerset District Council, who I think have a budget of about five million pounds. So, you know, there isn't such a thing as, you know, a, a homogenous local government in the UK. It's for lots of reasons, through kind of precedent and changes throughout history. It, you know, it's a very different picture across uh, across the country. Um, roughly splits into being kind of divided into so a lot of England's in kind of two tiers. So you'll have a county council and district councils who kind of share functions between them. Uh, we have about twenty-seven counties split into about two hundred districts. You then have unitary authorities, so anywhere there isn't a county council, there tends to be single authorities, um, so you don't have two councils in, that you're kind of paying, paying your local taxes to. Um, so there's about 56 of those. We've then got metropolitan districts, there's kind of 30 odd of those. Uh, 32 London boroughs, plus the City of London, which is kind of different, and then there's the Greater London Authority wrapped around it as well. Um, and then just to keep things interesting, we've got, I think it's around 30 kind of combined fire and rescue authorities. Uh, in some places they're part of the, the local authority, in other places they kind of exist as their own entity. So it's a real patchwork quilt of, of service delivery, of decision making, of you know, kind of local engagement with these different bits and pieces of government. Um, and kind of last, last point there, we've got kind of these twin pressures in local government at the moment as well. So huge increases in demand for services, particularly around things like adult social care. So we have 
you know, an aging population in the UK, like a lot of Western Europe. That's going to bring increasing pressures, cost pressures, service demands on, on local government. But at the same time, we've had following the recession, you know, probably one of the biggest shocks to local government funding that there's ever been with a, you know, a very severe reduction, you know, re reductions of something like 30% of budgets in some areas. Um, so these two things are kind of coming to a head. So we're at an interesting point where things are starting to change kind of because kind of they have to, because things are, are not, not like they've been before. Um, very quickly, within local government, um, you guys will all go out and elect your local councillors. Uh, so they will collectively sit on a full council, which has responsibility um, for, for setting kind of policy directions and agreeing budgets. But within that, you're going to have different models of executive governance. And, and again, this will, this will become a little bit more important later on. Um, but you can have uh, kind of leader and cabinet systems, which is a bit like the Westminster system, kind of operating within, within your local authority. In a few areas, we have directly elected mayors. Um, and in some places, we have a kind of more collaborative uh, committee decision-making system as well. Um, so even within different bits of local government, you know, the, the structures are very different. Decision-making is different. Um, you know, how, they, how they work and, and use data within that is, is going to be different as well. Um, there is also checks and balances, so scrutiny functions. Um, so whatever the decision-making structure is, somewhere within that, there is a check and a balance. Uh, so a bit like parliamentary select committees. Um, so an opportunity to, to ask questions like, how's the money being spent? Are we doing the things we said we would do? Um, and obviously, you know, understanding you know, the answers to some of those questions are going to be heavily reliant on, on the data that sits behind some of these services. So within this context, kind of managing performance and understanding whether a council is doing a good job or not um, has gone through, again, a kind of a similar evolution. And this is... Uh, I should say, prior to working with Scrust, I, I worked in local government for about 10 years, and I, my career started around 2000. So it was as a lot of the, the kind of policy frameworks were coming in after the, the, the Tory government and when we transitioned to, to Tony Blair's government. And so this kind of kicked in around 2000. They, they'd gone from a, a system of having competitive tendering on almost all services through to more kind of, you know, more, more local service delivery, more services actually delivered by councils. A big investment, so lots more money flowed into, into local councils. Uh, but with that, they wanted to, to have ways to, to make sure that the money was being spent wisely. So this concept of best value kind of appeared. Um, it was very difficult to describe, and it was, it was around kind of being economic, efficient, effective. Uh, we had duties to, to compare with others, to consult with, with people who lived in an area, uh, to compete still, uh, but also to kind of challenge, to challenge ourselves, to challenge each other. Um, and within this framework, we started to see the emergence of mandated performance targets. Um, so government kind of thought the right way to approach this would be to say, we'll have some consistency, even amongst that kind of patchwork of how, how local government's organised. We'll have some consistency in, in how a service is measured, what data should be collected, you know, on what timescale and how that's reported. And that will act as a, as a kind of a, you know, a, a level set and a way to, to, to base mark, base, sorry, baseline and compare. Um, and this, this kind of kept evolving through time and, and, and more things got bolted on. Um, the, you know, in my perspective, the inspection regime got heavier and heavier and heavier um, and local authorities spent more and more time kind of worrying about inspections, reporting centrally on mandated targets uh, and, and you know, not necessarily connecting to kind of outcomes that, that really mattered for, for local communities. Um, and a, a, a small example of this, it was kind of, I think it was around like 2002, we had a 
with one of these comprehensive performance assessments where alongside all these targets, a team of auditors will come into a council um, and assert judgments on services. They'll, they'll interview people, they'll ask questions, they'll, um, you know, they'll, they'll speak to, to service recipients. Um, and one of, the, one of the problems we had in a place I was working, I won't, I won't name who it was, um, was we, we had a low score in our kind of cultural segment. Um, we were doing pretty well in most things, but we needed to bunch up a, bunch up a kind of service score in, in culture. Um, and one of the ones that was holding us back was around swimming. Um, and so we had, it, it, these things get really detailed. <laughs> um, so we had a, a requirement, and the idea was we wanted healthy communities. This is what this was rooted in. So we wanted people to be healthy. And so the kind of thinking tracking back from that was, well, people should do lots of sports, which is, again, great, let's, let's make sure people do that. So how are we going to measure this thing? And so the thinking was, well, we'll count number of swims, which again, kind of sensible. We'll see who's using the pool if, if people are actually kind of doing the exercise we think they should be. But to make it kind of comparable and benchmarkable across different areas who had different populations and different sizes of swimming pools and different numbers of swimming pools, we needed to have some kind of ratio measure to, to work this out. So there was a calculation done to say, it's kind of almost by the square foot of swimming pool. So how many swims per square foot of swimming pool um, and then we can work out and baseline and compare and see who's doing well or not. And so we're kind of yeah, people scratching their heads trying to think up a solution. And somebody kind of cottoned on to the fact that, okay, getting lots of people to start swimming is really, really hard. But changing who swims and how they swim is a, is a different way to solve this problem. And so more time was given over in pools to squad swimming, to swimming clubs. People who are already pretty fit, pretty strong, because... They'd swim 20 in a lane, and they'd be end-to-end, -end and they'd be doing this for hours. And so more time was blocked out for you know, almost professional swimmers. Um, at the expense of the very people we were trying to make more healthy, but giving us the kick we needed and a service score to get the funding we wanted to do these other things, and so on. And that's one of what became, by the time we get to this national indicator set, we we're up to about 200 different types of measure, hundreds of service judgments that were being made in different ways. So... You know, that's one tiny example and, and this was kind of happening across them all and, and there's been lots of research about what makes good performance and kind of one of the key things is you, you must not be able to game it like that's you know, the, the worst of all scenarios and we, we had a lot of that in there um, long story short 2010 change of government and all of this was just ripped out um, you know, again a real shock to the system we went from having all of these indicators you know very almost institutionalized performance teams who were just kind of cranking the handle and, and running this machine and, and doing what they needed to do to having almost none of them. And uh, you, know, you can argue in lots of directions whether this is a good idea or a bad idea, how can you now baseline and compare. Um, but it was a, you know, a, a big shock to the system. And so we've been kind of feeling our way through and local governments have been trying to, you know, it's been working this out and, and they still are to a large extent since, since this change in system. Um, which kind of leaves us in a, in a position now where... Yeah, these are some of these other things that you, know, you guys, if you're, if you're kind of you know, doing things with the Open Data Institute and you're, you're obviously interested in open data if you're here, we're seeing some changes around openness and transparency. So there's some different conversations about data in government and about what it means for our, for our citizens. Um, yeah, how people engage. The government had a lovely idea back in, back in kind of 2003-04, which was to, to almost build its own little world where you could go in and check if your services, your council's doing well. They had like this one place website. Quite who they thought would go in other than local government professionals to see if their council was doing better at one thing than the neighbouring council. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure, but what we have now is... You know, this engagement is being defined by how people access this data and that's 
technologists who are getting direct access to, to data that's been made open and available, but also, you know, as we kind of project this stuff forwards, you know, if I'm searching for a house, you know, I want to see crime data coming up on some of those some of those results when I'm looking in different neighbourhoods. Um, you know, if I'm you know, looking, thinking about schools in an area, you know, again, I, I want to see the data from the local authority, not in some kind of you know, big central government depository, but, but more contextualized and, and, and sat alongside other useful information. Um, and so, yeah, and some, some other bits and pieces that are, you know, that are starting to change how, 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 things, are, how things are structured. Um, these aren't the norm. I should say. What we're seeing is, I think, bits and pieces of these occurring in, in different councils to, to one extent or another. Um, when I think about data and performance management particularly, I, you know, my view is that kind of gut decision making is still how things are done. Um, there is a strong um, kind of professional service within local government, lots of very experienced, very, you know, very professional people who've done things for a very long time and so understand services very well, understand service users really well. Um, and my experience was that tended to override what the data was telling us. Um, and it was easier to work on a hunch than it was perhaps to listen to and, and to really spend time understanding and debating using the data. Um, and so this is the kind of shift we, you know, we're starting to see. And I, I, would, I would, as an ex-local kind of gov person and, uh, and someone working in open data, would like to see, would like to see a lot more of. Um, as a part of this, you know, why and where does open data data sit? I, you, know, you can see these. These are kind of well-argued um, principles around around open data and how, as a strategy for for government and and local government particularly, you know, there's lots of great great wins here to be found in, in lots of different parts of what what local government does. You know, local government delivers about you know, a big a big unitary authority will do, deliver something like 800 different types of service. It's it's not a company you would ever design and build if you were starting from scratch. Um, but it means there's tons of opportunities in that. There's, there's loads of things that touch on almost everything people living in an area do. Um, but open data with local government, I think, got off to a, a rocky start. Um, my, um, you know, kind of, my experience was that uh, some kind of codes of conduct, codes of practice guidelines came out of central government that were targeted very narrowly in, in releasing expenditure data, spend over £500, um, in releasing information about senior salaries. Uh, we got quite obsessed for a while about whether anyone's paid more than the Prime Minister. Um, and so that became a thing that we needed to make sure that we were showing how many people were paid above a certain amount of money. Um, and it was very much based in this kind of you know, people will audit their council. They should see whether they're effective and efficient and be able to look through this data. And so the, the knock-on from that was that for a leader of a council, for senior managers who are, who are running services and are having to, to, to respond to and work with local media, uh, the narrative around open data became quite, quite hostile to them. You know, if anyone talks to them about open data, it was an immediate connect to somebody thinking they spent too much on biscuits that month. And you know, the, it was just a very negative relationship from the get-go. And it's, it's taken a little while for people to, to, to look beyond some of those experiences and start to think, actually, you know, yeah, we, we can see if we look to New York City, after they've opened up something like 1,100-plus data sets, they, they now have uh, through, they've recently had a big apps event out there. They're having real companies built. I think they've, they've secured something like $8 million of VC funding for, for companies that started using their open data. Um, it took a while to get there. Um, and and you know, I think local government, 
when it kind of switches on to that, because economic development, this one in the kind of bottom right, is it's almost every council you talk to, this is hugely important for them. You know, maintaining good local jobs, keeping the economy kind of in work and, and in you know, high-tech industries is, is, is a real win. Um, <coughs> there's lots of, lots of measurable impact, and I won't dwell too long on this one. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of keep moving through. But the, the ODI puts out lots of great stories about how open data is you know, making, making things change, how open data is having an impact. Um, local government's membership organization, uh, the Local Government Association, has also got a, a kind of strong role within, within open data. And they're also doing some great work to, to try and set standards, to tell stories, and to encourage you know, local councils to, to, to start getting more and more of their data out there and to really kind of engage and, and connect people to this. Um, and there's, there's kind of more broadly, uh, the local government, are, there is the duty to, to try and do more to engage with, with local residents. You know, we, we don't turn out in our droves for local government elections. I think it's, you know, turnouts of like 30-ish percent are, are not unusual. So to think that that's the only way that, that local government can connect with its electorate, I, th I think, is a huge mistake. So, you know, data offers a great a great way to kind of tell stories and connect people to what's really happening in an area and to, you know, to, to give people a, you know, more of an understanding of something that's happening outside of their house, you know, things in their streets, their schools, their parks, things that, that people really, really care about. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit here, um, and I'm going to, going to talk through a little bit of the evolution um, from the perspective of some of the stuff that we've seen developing in the USA, which obviously has a, a, an entirely different uh, kind of governance model. Um, but there's a, there are some, some similarities as we, as we work through this. Um, and this is where, um, if, if Beth were here, she, she'd be able to tell you this incredible story about you know, how she's worked with, with, with governors and with mayors in, in cities in the US. I'm going to kind of try my best to, to tell some of, some of her story, but I would encourage you to, to, to look at, at uh, Beth Blair has a chapter in the Beyond Transparency book, which, which sets out quite a, quite a lot of the things I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about here. Um, so, this is a kind of you know, a bit of a timeline on, on how data-driven government kind of happened in in uh, in the U.S. and it, its origins we think are around CompStat in New York City, um, and this was very much focused with the police, and this was crime and understanding crime in neighborhoods. Um, and you know, for the for the first time, there was a, a, a very kind of consistent, measured, regular approach towards looking at data on crime in specific areas, really understanding you know, and debating and talking about the causes of those crimes, having these conversations in, in as near to real time as possible, you know, not waiting for committee cycles, but actually you know, data's coming in kind of hot, let's, let's sit down, let's talk it through, and let's try and understand how we can tackle problems in neighborhoods. Um, and so the, the kind of the, the Socrata and the GovStat story starts in Baltimore. So this, um, I've been told a hundred times I'm not allowed to talk about the wire when I talk about Baltimore because loads of my colleagues in the US are from Baltimore um, and they think it's a complete misrepresentation of their city. But um, if any of you have watched the wire, you will have seen uh, Bunny Colvin stood up at a podium like this with all the, all the people around, you know, the mayors in the room, other police chiefs are there, the kind of beat sergeants are all there as well. And he's getting hammered on the data. And it's, you know, that is city stat. That, that's a real representation, well, as real as it, it kind of gets within the wire context, of, <laughs> of how you know, data was used to, to actually get decision making kind of running within that service. Um, and this was where uh, a guy called uh, Martin O'Malley, Mayor Martin O'Malley, was in Baltimore, um, worked on the city stat program to try and kind of you know, deal with 
huge entrenched problems around drug addiction, you know, huge vacant, vacant properties, um, a population that was just leaving Baltimore in its droves. And they, they really did manage to turn it around by understanding the kind of some of the causes of crime in the area and dealing with some of the kind of underlying poverty, the housing issues to, you know, drug treatment, to, to start applying based on data some of the treatments that they, they, they thought would work and to run experiments, you know, to, to see what would what would move the data. And if it didn't move the data, they'd try something else and, and wait for that response. Um, and it dawned on, on Mayor O'Malley that if it works for the police, why, why wouldn't it work for other city services? You know, why, why won't this work for roads, for sewers, for other bits of infrastructure, for, for social care services, you know, fostering adoption? Um, and so he, he brought this, this system into the rest of the city of Baltimore and developed the city stat program, which you know, I get big culture shock from a traditional kind of committee style where people meet every three months or so and sit around the table and have some kind of stack of reports and, and, and have some political point scoring, but probably not a huge focus on the information. Um, so Mayor O'Malley became Governor O'Malley, moved to the state of Maryland and, and found uh, a very big state area with a, a kind of, you know, an even slower form of, of governance and decision making. I think they, they had something like every six months they would review some data on services across across the state. Um, you know, kind of, you know, it wasn't about the data at all. It was a, you know, it's something that was submitted in a report. And so he, he really shook things up there. And, and uh, Beth Blair, our, our director of our, our GovStat product in Socrata, was working as his chief of staff. She had come from their kind of youth probation office and worked with Governor O'Malley to develop the state stat program. And they got to a point where they were meeting uh, it's pretty much every two weeks. They had, you know, portfolio holders within their, their executive decision-making body sat around a table talking about the data. Service managers were there being held accountable for the thing they said two weeks ago they would do and looking to see if the numbers have started to move. Um, and so a huge, huge transformation in, in, in how the decision-making was working. Um, and technology at that point wasn't, you know, it wasn't the whole answer. A lot of this was done with kind of Excel spreadsheets and a, a bunch of kids they got out of, uh, fresh out of university, some statisticians and some, you know, just some people who were happy crunching data and, and empowered them to do something with it and to get into the, the decision making uh, in the organization. But as the, the kind of open data work started in the US around kind of 2008, they realized that connecting their state stat program to their open data program meant that they could do all of this completely transparently. So it didn't become something that happened in a room just kind of locked down within the state. But actually, if they were talking about police performance, they pushed out all the crime data as well um, and made that available through their open data platform. So they were having real-time conversations. They were sharing the data. They had people from outside of the state doing things with that information and kind of engaging in this process with, with Maryland. Um, and they got to a point where it, it wasn't just passive. You know, If they found a big, meaty problem, which uh, the... The Chesapeake Bay in, in, in Maryland was hugely polluted, you know, really, really awful water spot. Um, and they knew they couldn't fix it by themselves. You know, no, no amount of data was going to change this thing. But they used their open data program to share information on pollution, on you know, environmental issues in, in, in and around the bay, and engaged local communities in understanding the scale of the problem and in thinking about what some of the solutions might be. And, and they were, you know, a potentially risky move, but they, were, they kind of went out there confidently said, we can't do this by ourselves. You know, the, the state only has so many tools at its disposal and we need you guys to join in. Um, and it was their, their use of data in finding this out, but also making that data open, making it available to, to people out there in the communities that, that allowed them to start to deal with some of these problems. Um, and so where we are now is, is we have 
the StateStat methodology and program has been kind of rolled out through a number of places in, in the United States. People have seen what Governor O'Malley has done and, and they've, they've implemented it in their own cities. And, and, and as kind of performance management, you know, locally determined outcomes and open data have kind of come together in all of these places um, to not just be transparent, but also to use that data to, to take better decisions and to, to, drive, uh, to drive government. So this was from the very early NYC CompStat program. So this is like back in 95. So kind of thinking of what technology was like in 1995. This, this wasn't a huge tech-led program. Um, but it had some really kind of clear, clear well, tenets of success, just some clear ways of doing things. And, and these things still stand today about you know, accurate and timely. The, the, the biggest problem I had um, in performance management in local government was... Uh, the processes that tended to be used was you'd close a quarter out um, and so you'd ask for all the data to come in and so everybody would send their data into a central team. The team would then have to wrangle with data from all of these lines of service. That would take them a couple of weeks to tidy this stuff up and draw some sense from it. Um, it then gets, has to be compiled into a report. If you're sending anything for a decision within local government, there's a very clear reporting process. You can kind of imagine the, the reports have to be written a particular way. They have to be submitted within a certain number of days before a meeting. Things have to be approved and signed off by directors, by politicians, by... And so you're kind of working through and, and you kind of 10 days before the meeting, you get your report submitted. The, the executive branch then look at it. If you're lucky, they'll discuss some of the data in this report. Um, and then it will get written in the minutes of the meeting, which come out maybe a week later. Um, and then you go through a similar cycle to get it to the checks and balances, so to the scrutiny committees, the, the, you know, the guys who should be looking at this data and saying, hang on a minute, you said you were gonna do this, and this is what the data is telling me. Um, and by the time we got to that point in the cycle, we found we were already getting the next quarter's data was coming in from the services. You, you know, you're 10 to 12 weeks into this process. The data's 10 to 12 weeks old. If the service manager's called up on it, they say, well, it's a different picture now. And you'll have the data in 10 weeks' time. And so shifting that thing, accurate and timely, it's like that's, that has to happen. Um, and then you know, dealing with it, being able to say very quickly, we think the data is telling us something, let's get out there, let's change our approach, let's do something different. And in two weeks time, in a month's time, we will look at the data in real time again, and we'll try and understand this, this, this picture. So you know, much more kind of fast paced. Um, just a quick look at, at uh, how the kind of state stat looks on their, on their website. So you know, this is it's it's not you know this is not the most kind of technical piece of, of kit here they've clearly articulated the things they're trying to change so so the mayor's set you know 16 of these strategic goals and then within different categories i just kind of highlighted one of them there they had a, a, a something that people would understand jobs were lost in the recession so to communicate with the public they didn't want to make it too complicated they said we're going to get all those jobs back and so if we were to click through that, it, it gets you into their open data site and you will be able to see the data over time since the recession, how many jobs, in what categories, and, and people can understand how, how that picture's built up. And more importantly, how, are they doing it? And you know, in this case, they did. They got all, the, they got all of their jobs back. Um, and if you speak to Mayor O'Malley, he's, he's absolutely certain it's, it's because of a relentless focus on the data. You know, Every couple of weeks, they were looking at the numbers. Are we getting new businesses in key sectors? If not, what's happening next? You know, what's the investment program? Who are we engaging with in the private sector to try and get this thing kicked on? Uh, 
this is what their their kind of they call it their war room. But this this could not be more different from my experience within local government. And then, you know, it's kind of a sample size of like five organisations I've worked for. But they're they're pretty similar. These are rowdy meetings. These are like you know, the data's on screens. They they have real time where possible connections to data. The service managers in there. It's not about being pre-briefed. It's not about having a good story to tell to be able to explain you know, how everything's great this quarter. They're pretty clear. This is, you come here and you're, you're in for a fairly, you're fairly tough time in, in the spirit of getting things done. You know, it's, it's not about, about embarrassing people, but they've, they've got into a great cycle. So you know, these guys, these elected, elected politicians who are not experts in data yet. Politicians are elected as lay people. They shouldn't be expected to have to learn to be a data scientist to understand what's happening in a council. Um, and so a lot of the work was done to try and tell stories with data in a way that, that people can understand, um, to kind of get it out of the hands of the performance nerds, you know, the people like me who were, who were kind of working there, probably making things too complicated, um, and letting these guys understand the, the, the kind of real picture and debate what's going on. And these were the results, just some of the results from, from the program. And... Uh, you know, Maryland's rode the recession out really well as a state. They they maintained jobs, they kept schools high, they cleaned out the Chesapeake Bay. They yeah, you know, and they've got a pretty good relationship with their you know, with their local citizens. And I you know, I think off the back of this, Mayor O'Malley is is you know, seriously being being talked about as a as a potential presidential candidate in the future as well. It's it's had a real impact, and they they showed you know a huge amount of of leadership. Um, and so they've kind of put out their own. Um, like tenets of, uh, of their guidelines, um, and it's, it's similar stuff. But there, I think where they grew on from the Comstat and the CityStat program was they realised the importance of connecting to local communities and to actually you know, engaging people in these conversations, being collaborative, uh, setting goals in the open, talking to people about why it's important, making you know making these things resonate in local communities. Um, and then Beth, I've just pulled a little snippet out from from Beyond Transparency, but she, you know, she's she's pretty bullish about this, and she'll, you know, she's happy to, to come and look at a performance program and tell people what, how they're doing it wrong. Um, and she'll be, you know, she's a, gr- a great person to to have a conversation with. And I hope we can get her get her out here one day. Um, so last little bit, I'm kind of coming coming towards the end end of this. Um, so I just wanted to, to kind of pause on, well, how might this look in, in the UK? So I kind of told you what the, the picture was, our kind of crazy system here in the UK. The US, to a great extent, wasn't burdened by this kind of mandated top-down regime. As, as you probably know, they're kind of much freer to do things within states than, than we have been in, in different areas in, in the UK. I think we've got to a place, actually, where we're in a similar environment now. We have... You know, potentially stronger local politicians who are able to be more kind of self-determined, um, you know, notwithstanding the issues around budgets and how that's had a big impact in this. But we can, you know, we can start to think more about what's different about Tower Hamlets than Westminster. And you know, Tower Hamlets can have different goals; they can set different objectives and they can chase different things because their community is different. Um, and that's kind of similar to to, to where where the US was. So. Um, I was going to introduce, so Sam Mowbray is in the room. So Sam is from uh, West Sussex County Council. Um, and so Socrata has been really lucky. We've been able to work with West Sussex on thinking about what performance management in a council, what data-driven decision-making is, is going to look like in the UK and, and how we can kind of shift out of this heavily mandated regime 
collaborate with people a bit more, help politicians <coughs> and senior managers actually understand the data um, and make this information kind of open. Let's you know, get the data out there as well. Um, and to change this kind of culture of like gut decision making, let's, let's get the data really into that part of the story. And, and yeah, politicians for political reasons are gonna, gonna ignore or deny data sometimes, but let's at least do that with the data present so people can be honest and say, you know, I'm, I'm taking this decision for a different reason. Um, so we had um, some very clear kind of project goals. So hopefully you'll recognize some of these things from the stories I've told you. Um, but we, you know, we had a, a short space of time to work, work with the guys. West Sussex had a really clear and have a really clear framework. They'd done the groundwork for this already. They'd thought about what local people want. They'd talked to local communities. They'd set outcome measures for schools, for health that were you know, unique to West Sussex. Um, and so for us, it was a, a question of how we work with the technology at Socrata to kind of you know, complement their performance framework um, and help them get to a place where they're able to share information more quickly, uh, to be more accountable to residents and to really speed things up. You know, let's get data as near to real time as we can and let's help politicians and senior decision makers you know, see that data early and talk about it, talk to service managers and get service managers as well used to being accountable by data rather than their kind of professional expertise. Um, and so how this looks, um, so this is our website. We're gonna, this will go live uh, next week or the week after, I think. Oh, 27th of June. 27th of June. So we'll, with slides and things, we can follow up and, and share, a, share a link of this. But um, yeah, the, so this is gonna be, it will be at, a performance kind of subdomain within within West Sussex, um, but similar to, to the Maryland approach, it's telling a clear story about you know what we're trying to do in West Sussex, what's our vision, and it links to their their kind of vision document where you know the the councillors spent time thinking about you know what's important to people in West Sussex, um, and then we'll have there's some dashboard categories we haven't got them all here. There'll be kind of three categories in in around kind of children, the economy, and, and older people's services. Um, and what you can do is go through these, and I'll give you a quick preview. This is like a sneak preview of one of these goals. Um, you'll be able to look at individual goals and service areas. So you know, the objective here is to help somebody who knows nothing about schools and education to engage with data on, in this case, GCSE results. This could equally be you know, number of people using local libraries, or it could be my swimming pools again. Um, talk about what we're trying to change, how are we going to measure it? You know, let's connect this objective to some data. And, and this is the kind of key. Without data, you can't have an objective. So you know, the, it kind of, there's a forcing function in here. You, you need to be able to tell it there's a number. Um, and this stuff tracks in real time. So as the data is updated from schools, we get to see how we're doing against our target, 60%. Um, we can explore the data so we can click through. And so that data will sit. It'll be exportable, so you can pull it out, the CSVs, you, there's an API on this data, so if, you know, if people want to kind of do other things with it and build, build other services, they, they'll be able to kind of exploit that, that developer API. Uh, but also pulling in other bits of information as well. So you know, it's one thing to have a kind of data point, um, but you need to kind of have the rest of the story too. You know, there's, it's very rare you have like the perfect number against a, an outcome. You, you quite often need to, need to pick one, and then tell all kind of contextual information and, and, and add and support to that. Um, so, last slide. We've we've learned a lot through through the kind of development of, of GovStat in the US and learned an awful lot working working with Sam at West Sussex as well. Um, and these are the kind of you know the, the kind of final set of things that we we've seen as the as kind of underlying successful kind of data driven 
approach to, to local government and, and hopefully they're kind of you know, they resonate with some of the things that I've, I've kind of talked at you uh, in the last 30 minutes or so. You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.